Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 63, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I'm finally wearing a Blackhawk shirt on this show. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and it was probably his idea for the names on the screen to be in purple. Frank, it, how you doing? That is correct. Uh, I got the choice, and I said purple it is. I like purple. I like purple, too. It's a nice choice. I like being able to rotate back and forth. Maybe we'll have a different color per episode. What do you think about that? Yeah, what about like near the 4th of July? I wonder if we could do it red, white, and blue. I don't know. how. Ooh, that'd, be, that'd be pretty cool. So we have a little special thing going on today. Today's episode of Bar Down Talking Hockey is brought to you by the great folks at Lou Malnati's. Make sure you go to Lou Malnati's and get all of your deep dish, thin crust, salad, drink, beverage, dessert needs. Of course, well-known for their deep dish pizza. It's one of the top deep dish pizzas in the Chicagoland area. Frankie's just absolutely dogging a piece right now. I got a nice box right here, Lou Malnati's. Make sure you get your Lou Malnati's today. Frank, what do you think of Lou Malnati's? I got a box too. Enjoying my delicious pizza from Lou's. Um, I love their pizza. If I got a deep dish type of pizza, I want to go to Lou's. It's Absolutely. Delicious. There's nothing better than a loo. right now. Yep. The butter crust. Uh, I'm sure your piece is nice and warm there. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you to Lose for sponsoring the podcast. We can't be happier to promote Lose. So go eat your Lose. Make sure you hit your local Lose. If you live in the Chicagoland area, it shouldn't be too hard to find one. Um, they're all over the place. This stuff is the bomb. Shout out Lou Malnati's. It's a great, Incredible. great, great pie. What's your favorite? If you're going to Lou Malnati's, right? It's a, it's a Friday night. Don't care about calories or health or any of that garbage. What's Frankie Mueller choosing? I'm a pepperoni guy. Okay, okay. I'm definitely going deep dish over the thin crust. Um, pepperoni sausage. They don't really have a lot of fancy pizzas, you know. No, where you have like, like junk on there. Yeah. So, I would probably go with. Sausage or pepperoni. The sausage that we had was delicious. And there was like big chunks of it. It wasn't like the small little circle bits of sausage. It was like almost like a patty. Yeah. They they use like a special sausage at Lou Malnati's. That's just a little bit different than every other sausage at any other pizza place. So make sure you get your Lou Malnati's. I'm a cheese guy and a sausage guy from Lou Malnati's specifically. Their, their sausage special is just outstanding, so make sure you go to Lou Malnati's and enjoy yourself a pizza today. Frank, yeah. you know what I love just as much as I love Lou Malnati's pizza? Hockey. The National Hockey League. And we will talk about this glorious league in period number one. 
Welcome to period one of Bar Down Talking Hockey, presented by the Barroom Network and Lou Malnati's. Frank, the second round was unbelievable. What do you think overall? Uh, yeah, there was a lot of surprises, entertaining. So we got a little bit of everything. I was uh, I was very pleased with what I saw. Absolutely, it was a lot of fun. Obviously, going into the second round, the most intriguing series, and I still think uh, I still think that it probably was the best series, even though it didn't have the most amount of games. I think the most fun series to watch was the Battle of Alberta. Um, the Edmonton Oilers won that series by a final series score of four to one. But although it was only a five game series, it was one of those five game series that didn't really feel like it. Edmonton didn't blow the Flames out in any game but one. And the one game the Flames won, Edmonton kind of got blown out a little bit and looked like they had no chance. So. You know, although it was only five games, like I said, I thought it was my favorite series of the playoffs so far, honestly, in any round. Um, Frank, what was your thought on the Battle of Alberta? The Edmonton Oilers are big-time winners. Honestly, I was kind of disappointed in the series overall. I think that a lot of people were really expecting the series to maybe go six or seven. Imagine the Battle of Alberta going seven games. I mean, the place would just go nuts. Fans would just soak it all in. But um, ultimately, the Oilers' success should be put on the shoulders of McDavid and Dreisaitl. I mean, McDavid had 12 points in five games in that series. He had three goals, nine assists, and Dreisaitl had 17 points. He had two goals and 15 assists. But it wasn't the goals that was the big X factor here in that series. It was the assists. They combined for 24 assists in the series, meaning that they're able to be the playmaker and make other guys on their teams open, like Evander Kane or even some of their defense uh, on their team. Um, it was just a little disappointing for me because I was pulling for Calgary, and I wanted it to go a little bit deeper. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, the Oilers won. Thank McDavid and Dreisaitl. I, I agree on the games part. Obviously, in that aspect, it was disappointing. You didn't expect it to end in five. I just think the five games, all as individual games, except for the one where Edmonton kind of took it with ease. I think Evander Kane had the hat trick in the first period of that game. Outside of that game, I would say it was an outstanding series for the length of it. Would I have liked to see it go seven? Absolutely. But one thing I'll say, McJesus, he's just unbelievable. I mean, we'll get to what he did yesterday, but Leon Dreisaitl was outstanding, but sometimes you just watch Connor McDavid and you're in serious awe. And believe it or not, I catch a lot of hockey games in person. I have yet to see Connor McDavid in person, and I've heard it's an experience. I've heard that it's you think he's fast on TV, and then you go to a game that he's playing in, and you're just absolutely your breath taken away. So I'm interested to see how that's going to be. I'm going to try and make that happen next year. But, man, this guy's just on fire right now. He has proved to the Edmonton Oilers that he can go into God mode in the postseason. And I think regardless of what happens with Edmonton going forward, whether they lose in the conference finals, lose in the Stanley cup final, or even win the Stanley cup, I think their run so far this year has helped them determine what they need to keep McDavid, keep McDavid strong and put around McDavid in the off season. You know, there's going to be a lot of positive construction that comes of this postseason run. I think, because now that we know McDavid can go into God mode in the playoffs and dry sidles, no slouch by any means. I mean, he's a top five player at this point. Um, I like what the oil are doing. 
Yeah, I think they're just missing a few key pieces overall. I think um, I think having McDavid and Drysaddle is not going to be the end-all, be-all. I mean, they're going to need uh, a little bit more work, even, I would say, on offense, definitely in the goaltending area, um, and, and definitely on defense as well, I would say. Um, I mean, like you said, you were entertained by the series. I was just hoping for a little more. I don't know. It's like I was hoping for a couple overtimes. You know, that's what gets me going in the playoffs is these lengthy overtimes, these one-goal games. I mean, when you're scoring five, six goals and it's a final score of six to two or six to three, it just kind of takes the fun out of it for me. I don't get the same feeling mm-hmm. that I do with some of these other series or some of these other series that have been going seven games. Um, yeah, it's fun to watch McDavid score and will do his thing. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I want to see a competitive hockey game. You know what I mean? Yeah, I fully understand. There were a lot of high-scoring games in that series. Um, I would say the Calgary Flames are one of the more disappointments in the playoffs so far. I mean, when I think of some disappointments so far, Carolina losing to the Rangers, we'll get to that in a bit. But, I mean, they're a disappointment, obviously. Um, The Bruins-Hurricane series could have went either way. So, you know, whoever was going to lose that series was going to be disappointed, obviously. But uh, the Maple Leafs, of course. But if Tampa would have lost, they'd be a disappointment too. So sometimes with the way the playoffs are matched up, uh, there's going to be a disappointment after the first round. But once Edmonton slayed, or once Calgary slayed Dallas, that like pesky first round team, I was like, there's a chance here that this team could like get to the cup because I just liked their path. You know, I thought they'd be able to beat Edmonton. And then ultimately, I thought they would be able to squeak by either the Avalanche or the Blues. And. They they lost in five to Edmonton. And one thing I wanted to ask you about this Calgary Flames team, Johnny Goudreau is an unrestricted free agent. Mm-hmm. He can sign with any team he wants as of the free agency date. I almost said July 1. It's not July 1 this year because of the season being pushed back. But yeah, pretty, I want to say it's like July 12th or something like that. It's just like a random day in July where free agency starts. What do you think the future is for Jonathan Ice Hockey? I think he's going to stay with the Calgary Flames. I think that, you know, what the GM and what the organization has seen from the Calgary Flames this year, they're not that far off from success. I think the reason why they lost the series is because Markstrom's kind of gameplay has gone down. I mean, I saw him not play up to what he did in the regular season against Dallas. He was a little shaky, and then ultimately I thought he was a little shaky against the Oilers, but you can't put all the blame on him. I think that the organization knows that success is in the future, and I think getting rid of uh, Johnny Hockey is just, now you're just, what are you doing? You're rebuilding now? When you're when, when you have Johnny Hockey and Kachuk and Markstrom, I mean, you got a good team right now, and they've shown that they could have success in the regular season. They showed they could win a playoff series. They beat the Oilers. They're in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, why would you try to digress here? I think anything other than him staying on the team would be a shock to me. And I'm in the exact opposite boat. I will be stunned if you're correct. I think there's just no way he doesn't go to either the Philadelphia Flyers. I almost call them the Phillies. If he doesn't go to the Philadelphia Flyers or the New Jersey Devils, I'll be stunned. Absolutely flabbergasted. I mean, he has no loyalty to Calgary. They were kind of shaky with him. You might remember in the World Cup of Hockey, every every player wore a helmet with their team logo on it, their club team. 
and Johnny Hockey playing for Team North America was the only one who didn't have a team logo on his because the Flames were playing games with him in his contract. I just don't think it's like a a positive relationship there. I don't think Calgary I don't love their team long term. They're not I don't know. They're up and down. Like last year they were trash. This year they're good. Like They've just been up and down. Um, Daryl Sutter's probably not the easiest head coach to play for. Um, he could get ten million dollars, and I think one of those two teams that are close to his home where he grew up will offer that to him. And I'm not sure Calgary can afford that because they just have so much. Um, I'll actually be a little surprised if he stays with the Flames. The only way I don't, but here's the thing though: I would put them as the third most likely team for him. Just because you always have to have the team that they're currently on in the mix. But I'll be very surprised if he plays somewhere else other than New Jersey, Philly, or Calgary after next season. But I'm starting to dismiss Calgary more and more every day. I've never heard him say, I want to end my career in Calgary. I've never heard him commit to playing there long term. And as a result of the possibility of Johnny Hockey leaving, there has been rumors of the a trade involving Matthew Kachuk who is a 95 point scoring pest basically is the best way to describe him he's he's a younger version of Brad Marchand in a lot of ways and he also he scores a lot more at a younger age Marchand took a long time to get to that level of offensive prowess Kachuk's doing it in like year five so I'm curious to know what you think about the Kachuk situation and if they lose Johnny Hockey or even if they don't, could you see a trade involving Matthew Kachuk one way or another? They would get a bag for him. I'm kind of in the same boat as Johnny Hockey. Unless, I mean, if they got rid of Goudreau, then I think that maybe Kachuk's on his way because if you get rid of Goudreau, they're basically saying without saying – that they're kind of giving up on this team right now. And they're going to try and wait on success for a little bit in the long-term future. So I think if Goudreau goes, Kachuk's on the way out too. However, if Goudreau signs a contract, which I think the, the Flames might offer him a boatload of money, we'll see. We'll see what they think he's worth, and we'll see what offer they put on the table. But if he stays, there's no reason that they won't bring Kachuk back. Because now you're saying, all right, I'm signing Goudreau. We're gonna keep this team. I'm gonna bring in. I'm gonna keep some of the pieces that are on this team: Markstrom, Kachuk, Goudreau, and I'm gonna build around them so we can get a Stanley Cup here in the near future. But I don't think there's a world where Kachuk leaves the team and Goudreau stays. I just don't think that's possible. Yeah, I mostly agree with that. The only way I could see it, if hockey stays and Kachuk leaves, is if they like recognize a piece on their team that they think they can address like they score a lot of goals right they have lots of different players who score lots of goals i mean hockey manjapani kachuk uh, lindholm monahan i mean this team puts the puck in the net there's no doubt about it they got multiple guys capable of potting 30 quick ones uh some of them could even probably sniff 40 in a good year um they could use that strength to address a weakness. If they used, uh, I mean, I don't know who's going to be available, but if they wanted, if they wanted to trade Kachuk for assets 
and then sign Malkin and Latang for the same price that they would have gotten Kachuk for. I mean, that's something I, I mean, I'm not going to say I could see it, but like that's something that's out there. And would that make the Flames a more well-rounded team? It's possible. But if I was a betting man, like I'm putting my money on it, I would bet hockey leaves in free agency. They extend Kachuk with that money. That's going to be that's going to be what the Flames do, in my opinion. But the Battle of Alberta is over. Um, it was the first time since the early '90s that these two teams played in the playoffs. Yeah, I would have liked to see it go six or seven. But for the games that we did get, it was a very compelling series. There were lots of goals. There was a lot of animosity. And it was overall like it was like crazy hockey, like just run and gun hockey, you know, lots of chances. Connor McDavid was Connor McDavid. I mean, there's really not much more to say about this guy at this point. He's the most skilled player ever. Um, I'm not sure if he'll ever reach the apex of a Wayne Gretzky because it's impossible to score 2000 points in today's NHL. But could he like get in that top five range with Sidney Crosby, Bobby Orr, Mario Lemieux? Yeah, I think he can. I absolutely think he can. Um, some people might name Ovechkin in that mix. I I would. I mean, if you're the all-time goal leader or second, you're up there. So I like McDavid's game. But Leon Dreisidel, 15 assists in the playoff series. That's one series. Mm-hmm. And he's known for being like the goal scorer. He's Edmonton's go-to goal scorer. Had 50 twice in his career now. Each of the last two full seasons, he was able to score 50. And he was well on pace for 50 in the 56-game season last year. I mean, Leon Dreisaitl's a maniac. I like this guy. He's a great, great, great player. And I don't know. What do you think of Leon? Well, that's what I was saying earlier. I mean, he impacted the series more from his assists. I mean, between him and McDavid, they only had five goals combined. That's one goal per game. They're the assist and their playmaking ability is what makes them so great and what makes them so deadly. We all know they can score. I mean, anybody could score in the National Hockey League. You look at a team, everybody's got goals, but could you make plays for other teams? That's what makes them so good. That's why Evander Kane was able to get double-digit goals before anybody else was. I'm I'm a fan. I mean, I, I love watching Dreisaitl play. Um, I just don't think that it's Dreisaitl McDavid's time right now. I just don't think. I think That's it's going to take some time. We'll get we'll get there. We'll get there. But you know, people always do talk about their depth. I like Yamamoto. I like Puljujarvi, Evander Kane, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman. All these guys were scoring. My biggest issue with Edmonton is on their back end and in net. And Mike Smith actually played good in the Calgary series for the most part. And and frankly, in the King series before that. I mean, he's got good playoff numbers so far. He got pulled yesterday, and I'm pretty sure that's the second time he's been pulled so far this postseason. But um, the Hawks get the Hawks got a third round pick from Edmonton in the Duncan Keith trade. And that third becomes a second if they reach the Stanley Cup final. Um, but Keith also has to be top four in ice time uh, on their team amongst defensemen. And so I went and looked at the time on ice. I wrote a whole article about this on DeWindyCity.com. Um, he is top four. 
Mm-hmm. He's number three. And ahead of him are, of course, Darnell Nurse. He's their number one. That's expected. But then number two is Cody Cece. And I think that is like where you start to look at Edmonton's problems, that Darnell Nurse, okay, he's a he's a number one on most NHL teams. He's very, very good. But then Cody Cece is your number two. 38-year-old Duncan Keith is your number three. And then Tyson Berry, who's no good on defense at all, but he's awesome outstanding on offense. He's like a, a better version of an Eric Gustafson to make it relatable to the Blackhawks. Um, and then, you know, everybody after that is just like plug and play. That to me is a big – oh, they have Evan Bouchard too. Bouchard, he'll probably be a, top, a good top four defenseman for a while, but he's still young. He was drafted – the Blackhawks took Adam Boquist over Bouchard, not to make anybody feel bad about Stan Bowman any more than I already do on the internet. But, you know, Bouchard's a real good defenseman, but still going to take a while before we consider him like, whoa, look at that guy. Yeah. But as of right now in the playoffs so far, he's probably been their second best defenseman. They they rely on guys like Cody Cece and Duncan Keith a little too much for my liking. But they need I like the Huh? They need more pieces. Yeah, but the, all their pieces are like in the same area. And so if they traded a Nugent Hopkins, with, who probably has a no-move clause at this point with his new contract, because he didn't leave them in free agency like a lot of people thought he would last year. He signed an extension, like a long extension, got relatively well paid for it. Um, but if they move someone for really, really good defense, you know, it could happen. I don't know. I like this Oilers team in the long term, but of course they're not the only Western Conference series that played in the second round. The Colorado Avalanche and St. Louis Blues took it to six games. That's more than I thought the Blues were going to get out of the Colorado Avalanche, especially after the loss of Jordan Bennington to an injury. Frank, what's your takeaways from these from this series? What did you think of it? Um, I wasn't too surprised. Um, I was entertained because I was pulling for the Colorado Avalanche, so. I was happy. Um, when they went up 3-1 to one in the series, though, it was virtually over. It was just a matter of time. Um, yeah, Blues won game uh, five. I was very surprised that they won game five in Colorado. But then they come home to try and uh, force game seven. They can't do it. I hate to keep repeating myself week in and week out, but the Colorado Avalanche loved to play from behind. They were losing twice in game six, including losing in the third period. And the Colorado Avalanche come back score, score the game-winning goal with five seconds left in the game, and that was it. Good night. See you later. Um, So, you know, this Colorado Avalanche team is just so stacked. I think they have what it takes to win the Cup. I think they have the perfect team. They're well-rounded on offense. They're great on defense, and they got a goalie who could keep the puck out of the net. Now, he didn't he didn't do that good against the Oilers, but now you're playing against Connor McDavid and your your offense the offense they're playing against has stepped up from round one and one round two tremendously. Because I mean we talk about how good the Edmonton Oilers have on offense, but they don't have the greatest goaltending and defense situation. But when you look at the Colorado Avalanche, now you got one, two, and three. I think you got it all. So that's my takeaway from the series. Yeah, I actually think the Avs are very good. I think I, there are a couple flaws that I see with them, though. And I think they can beat any team. But to me, their biggest flaws are something Tampa Bay can expose. And that's why if that's the Stanley Cup final, I will pick Tampa Bay. But I can't really see a world where they don't beat the Oilers, even though I thought the same thing after the Flames went up one nothing against the Oilers. I did. 
I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be a quick one. I was like, Oh boy, <laughs> you know, they're giving up all these goals. Edmonton. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in the second period um, against the blues. Nifty Nazzy Dangleman, Nazem Kadri. He was a difference maker. I mean, he asserted himself into the Conn Smythe Trophy conversation, in my opinion. The Colorado Avalanche have a couple guys in that conversation. Kale McCarr, probably the leader of the pack. Right there with him, though, is Nazem Kadri, and I would probably put Nathan McKinnon right there with him, too. But Kadri, really, really good second-line centerman. Obviously, he is able to impact the game with his offensive ability, but he's also he's also got the ability to impact the game by getting under the other team's skin and making them think about it and make them think of him away from the rink, which is that's the ultimate like compliment is when a hockey player is thinking about you and they're not even playing hockey. Like that's how you know you're in someone's head. Um, and that's that's how it was for the Colorado Avalanche. Um, he's outstanding. I mean, he's just so good. Um, I can't put enough respect on his name. A lot of people, we talked about it last show with the racist comments and sending him and his wife um, some nasty messages on Instagram and Twitter and all the social media. Um, it's just disgusting. If you do that and watch this show, get the hell out of here. We don't want you. But Kadri's a great player, and he's impacting this series a lot. Is it weird that I kind of wanted Kadri to – do a little more against the Blues, even though he had seven points in six games, which he, is he had, the in the playoffs. He had a hat trick in the game after. That's what I'm saying. He had a he had a hat trick in what was it, game four? So his numbers were kind of inflated, in my opinion. Because there's a couple games he really didn't do anything. He wasn't on the score sheet at all. That's what I'm saying. I kind of wanted – I kind of expected a little more from Kadri. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, he's not like a – He's not necessarily like a go-to scorer all the time, but also sometimes he is. He does things so, that fill in for when he doesn't score. Like you said, he kind of aggravates the other team. Could get in front yeah, of him. Yeah. You know, he's that type he, of player. He, he impacts the game in ways just beyond scoring. And I think you. there's a reason once they added him, Colorado had like a really nice second-line center. They're not using Carl Soderberg as their second-line center anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just – it's a really good team, and he's a very big part of it. Um, are there any other notes from the series that you kind of took away, like the whole Biddington thing, obviously throwing a water bottle at Kadri and then saying he had to take that opportunity? I don't know if you saw that press conference, yeah. but – Oh, I, what are your saw, other overall notes of the series? I saw the um, – I watched a little clip. It was about a minute clip on the press conference, um, what Bennington said. He actually called it a God-given opportunity to throw yeah. a water bottle at him, um, which just doesn't make sense, really. He said that he threw it, and it landed like two feet from him. He's like, oh, well, whatever. Um, so it didn't even seem like he cared. I don't – I mean, that just tells you about his character, the type of player he is. And, you know, there's some people defending him on social media and stuff. But, I mean, why? What, what's the point? Of, why is it a God-given opportunity that you got to throw water at somebody? Just because you got injured? I mean, he blamed the situation. He goes, because he's walking around in a brace. Yeah, this is the clip I saw. 
he says because he's walking around in a brace. He just felt like it was God a God given opportunity that he's got to throw the water bottle. And I just thought it was stupid. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Bennington's a clown. You know, I've been saying that on this show for a long time. He's a complete idiot. He's a complete muppet. Nobody likes him, and you know, he doesn't know the actual turmoil that he's caused in Nadrim Kadri and his family's life. So F you, Jordan Bennington. You're an asshole. You're out. You'll probably won't even be a starter a year or two from now. Uh, Billy Huso almost took your job this year. Um, yeah, you stink, Jordan Bennington. Stop throwing water bottles at people, you asshole. Um, the ads are very, very good, and I can't wait to see where they're able to take this thing. Um Elsewhere in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Tampa Bay Lightning already had the Florida Panthers swept last show. So we're not going to dive into that at all just because listen to episode 62 and you'll hear our full breakdown of the Tampa Bay Lightning sweeping the Florida Panthers. Obviously, they were awaiting the winner of the New York Rangers versus Carolina Hurricane Series. Frank, tried to warn you. I tried to warn you. The Carolina Hurricanes entered Game 7 of the 2022 second round conference semifinals against the New York Rangers. They went 6-0 at home in the playoffs total, or 7-0 in the playoffs total, and 0-6 on the road. And then in Game 7, the New York Rangers finally were a team to go into Carolina and defeat them in the postseason. Bruins went over three. They had previously went over two and now over three or now one for three. And I'm curious to know, A, are you ever going to listen to the Vinnie Parisi guarantee ever again? And B, what are your thoughts on Carolina finally breaking that streak? It was actually 6-0 and at home because the game seven, that was the seventh game at home. You're right. You're right. You're right. So they finished 6-1 and at home and 0-6 and on the road. Wait, are you sure? It was four games against the Bruins and then three against the Rangers. Yeah, but the three. It would have been four if they won oh, that game. Was it it would have been eight. Yeah, it okay. would have been eight. Yeah, seven. they went 7-1 and at home. Okay, okay. Yeah, 7-1 at home. Um. I mean, yeah, you were right. Not going to deny it. The VP guarantee. I don't know. It got kind of fluky there, I think. I was uh, very high up on the Hurricanes. I thought after beating the Bruins, they would go to the Stanley Cup final. Not necessarily win, depending on who they face. I think Colorado's the clear favorite. Um, but I thought they'd at least make it to the final. I, uh, I've i never quite witnessed anything like this, though. Could you imagine if they would have got to the Eastern Conference Finals without winning a road game? I mean, we had a conversation about that. Imagine winning the Cup without winning a road game. That's near impossible. You'd have to go to Game 7 every time. Um, and it's just not likely. And on top of it, you also have to be have the highest seed. you got to be the uh, – you have to have home ice advantage, too. So it was really weird to watch um, for that team – for a team to be so dominant at home – but to be so lousy on the road, I mean, yeah. I, I, and to me, Ronta's average. I told you that yesterday. Um, maybe if they had a better goalie, they would have progressed a little further, but that doesn't mean they're going to win on the road. But you think they win one game on the road and they might be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. I 
How mad does that got to make the Bruins? It's oh, it's embarrassing for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, think about it. Think about the teams that think about the Bruins. It's kind of embarrassing for the Rangers too. It is. I think it's embarrassing for the Canes too, though, because you show at home what you can do when you have matchups in your favor and the crowd backing you up. You they were able to assert the other team. They were able to assert their dominance against the other team and be physical and win puck battles better and score obviously better. Their power play was dog shit. Um, Sebastian Ajo didn't really show up in the second round. Um, we didn't see the same Tavo Teravainen on the road as we did at home, but you got to win all game on the road. You know, I've been watching sports for how long? I watch way too much sports, guys, but – one positive of me watching all these sports is knowing that streaks are meant to be broken and you can't possibly tell me that a team is making it to the Eastern conference finals without winning a single game on the road. That just can't be the case. And I do think the New York Rangers have had a little bit of luck on their side. Oh, typical Vinny devils fan ranger hate. You got to the third string goalie in all three in both of your series so far. Just be real careful, Ranger fans, about the upcoming shit talk that you're about to induce yourselves in, because now Daddy Vasilevsky's waiting for you. You're not facing Louis Deming or Kakachev or whatever the hell the name of the third string goalie of Carolina is. Like I said, I know Jacob Truba. I wanted to bring him up. He likes to run goalies and hit people in the head and stuff like that. Daddy Vasilevsky's waiting for you, Rangers fans. You're in big trouble now. Yeah, and you know, you, you mentioned how streaks are meant to be broken. I just thought the home winning streak would have lasted longer than the road winning streak or the losing streak. I thought for sure they were going to get a road win before they lost at home, and that's why I was just confident that they win the series. But like you said, streaks are meant to be broken. I mean, there's so many famous streaks in sports history and entertainment history that been broken. Look at the Undertaker's WrestleMania streak. He was 21 and 0 that he lost. What about the Blackhawks when they started a 21-0 and 3 point streak to start the season in 2013? They eventually lost in regulation. Keith Yandel, Keith Yandel's Iron Man streak ended this year. Yeah. Streaks are meant who, to be broken. Who ended the Hawks streak 21-0 and 3? Colorado. No. It was no. a it was a back-to-back. They I will. I will guarantee you. Anything. You're right. You're right. They, they went on the road. Back and lost to back. They lost that in overtime or shootout the day before, and then they played the next day against Colorado as well, and they lost in over. And they lost in regulation. They beat them the day before. I was there. Did they beat them. Yeah, and then yeah, they, they lost to Colorado, and then Edmonton. The t- that's why I was saying it because it's Edmonton and Colorado, two straight losses for the Hawks to end the point streak, and they're the two teams left in the West. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's funny funny I mean, those, those are some big streaks that were broken over the year. But I just thought the the road losing streak was going to come first. I'm I'm very shocked. Yeah, they blew it. There's no doubt. Um, the Hurricanes are a better team than the Rangers. They don't have the better goalie though. Igor Shesterkin was outstanding in this second round series between the Hurricanes and Rangers. Um, you got anything nice to say about the Rangers? I mean, I have nothing really against the Rangers like you as a Devils fan. I know you don't like the Rangers. Um, if they beat the Lightning, okay, we'll see. Um, I mean, I don't know what you want me to say nice about them. I'm not going to just sit here and be like, oh, they're great. Um, 
I don't know. I don't really have anything to say about him. Well, we'll get to that against the Lightning coming up here. But that's why, that's why I didn't want to say too much. Yeah. I mean, the second round was awesome. I thought there were some really nice storylines. I like seeing the Battle of Alberta. The Avs and the Blues played a very physically contested series. Uh, Tampa Bay made easy work of the Florida Panthers. I mean, they stunk. Oh, yeah. yeah that, that was just crazy. And I picked Florida to win the Cup. That was my preseason prediction. That was my going into the playoffs prediction. I rode those Florida Panthers all year long, and they pooped down my throat. So they didn't look good against the Capitals either. No, but they won. The Capitals were always going to give them a hard time, in my opinion. The Capitals are the Capitals for a reason. They have Ovechkin and Kuznetsov and Oshie and Carlson and Backstrom and two pretty good goaltenders. Like I never, the Capitals. I used to say I used to agree with you. Worst team in the East making the playoffs. Blah blah blah. And then they got really freaking hot down the stretch, and that's the reason that the nine seed never had a chance because all including the Capitals, got really hot, beating good teams. They had that game on Wednesday Night Hockey, TNT, against Pittsburgh, and they made easy work of them. But everybody would say Pittsburgh's a better team. But for some reason, the Capitals, they just didn't get enough respect this year, in my opinion. And when we look at the season as a total, once the playoffs are over, and we go back and look over all these teams, I'm going to have a lot to say about the Washington Capitals, my Washington Capitals. So, I don't know. Florida stinks. So the Final Four are as is. The Colorado Avalanche, Edmonton Oilers, New York Rangers, and Tampa Bay Lightning. There's only one major market population-wise left in the postseason. The Stanley Cup will be awarded to a team that has not won it in a long time unless the Tampa Bay Lightning win their third straight. We have not we have gone over it's been 10 years or more since Colorado, Edmonton, New York, or or New York have won. I believe New York is last in 94. Edmonton is last in 88. Colorado's last in 2001. And then, of course, Tampa Bay's last in 2021. So actually 20 years. Almost. Yeah, 20 years. Almost 20 years. The other three. Yeah, well, the most recent one—the most recent one besides the Lightning—is 01. So we're 21 years. Wow! Someone who was born, someone who was born the year the Colorado last won the Stanley Cup, is going to earn the right to drink legally in the United States this season. That's unbelievable. And the 2001 Stanley Cup that brings back painful memories for New Jersey Devils fans. That's the greatest Devils team to ever be assembled, and they lost the Stanley Cup final. They won three cups. In 94, 2000, and 2003. But their best team was actually in 01. And the Avalanche acquired Raymond Bork from the Colorado Avalanche. And the rest, as they say, is history. We would like to send you over to period number two. Welcome to period two. Frankie and I hinted at the contents of this period for a long time in the first period because it's hard to talk about what went on in the second round without kind of previewing what goes on in the third round. But now all bets are off. The Colorado Avalanche are playing the Edmonton Oilers. And last night, the Colorado Avalanche took a one to nothing series lead. Frank, I already know your thoughts. We agree, but disagree on this series. Like, we agree and disagree on this. I think you think it's going to be not close. 
You probably think Colorado is going to either sweep or win in five. I actually got Colorado in seven. Um, I think Edmonton's going to give a bigger push than we think, and there's going to be far less goals in this next game tomorrow. What do you think? Uh, yeah, you nailed it on the head. I don't think Edmonton has a chance in this series. Um, McDavid and Dreisaitl could take over a series, but, I mean, at some point they can only do so much, you know. The, the guy in that for the Edmonton Oilers is what's going to kill him in this series. Um, I'd actually be stunned if the Oilers don't start Koskinen in game two. I'm calling it right now. Uh, you may say, no, they're going to go with Mike Smith because he looked good against the Flames and he looked good against decently against the Kings. But no, you're playing an offense in the Colorado Avalanche who has better offense than the Kings and the Flames. It's just, you're going to see it now. I mean, look at what, um, the Colorado Avalanche did to the Nashville Predators without a goalie, right? Look at what they did to um, – why am I drawing a blank? Who would they play before? The Blues, when Bennington got hurt, the series was over. I think Mike Smith is right up there at being not an average goalie, and they're just going to decimate him. He gave up eight. Oh, he didn't give up eight, but they gave up eight total as a team um, before he got – he was pulled eventually. But, I mean, I just – I don't think it's going to – I mean, if they have a chance – it's going to have to come with Koskinen in that because Mike Smith is not going to win the series. If they make the mistake of starting him in game two and they lose, well, now you're in a big hole. It's kind of like the Bruins when the Bruins uh, played Swayman or they played, um, uh, who was it? Not Swayman. Allmark. Allmark. When they played Allmark the first two games, and I'm like, I think they should have started Swayman, but now you start him in game three. I'm like, well, that's a big mistake because now you're already down 2-0. I think if the, they, the Oilers just shouldn't go down that same path. They should start Koskinen in game two. Got nothing to lose. If you put in Mike Smith game two, you're going to get destroyed anyway. So take the risk. Be a playoff coach. Coach the right way. Take some chances. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. The eye test says Mike Smith sucks, but the stats don't. He's got a nine save, 17 save percentage in the playoffs. But he didn't play anybody like Colorado. Yeah, um, Calgary. Mm, Colorado's better than offense. Yeah, they, they do, but barely. Uh, I don't know. Mike Smith, only goalie in the playoffs with two shutouts. And he has – where is he on the goals against range? Probably not. 3.12. That's not terrible. Is it the worst of every – is it the worst of every goalie left? Best left is obviously higher. Yeah, because – Igor Shesterkin and Darcy Kemper have both been outstanding. Of course, they have probably the best defensive teams in front of them too. But um, the nine seventeen save percentage is not bad at all. And you gotta make changes though. You gotta, you gotta coach. No. You can't, you can't play scared coaching. You can't be a scared coach. No, Take you can't. Game. You can't put Miko Koskinen in over Mike Smith. He's got an eight ninety seven save percentage. That guy sucks. Well, when they – yeah, and the, the Bruins thought that about Swayman not playing that great either. Then they put Swayman in, and it was a different story. Swayman should have started the series. That's what I said. Koskinen is not – And then, and then I thought for sure. Allmark and uh, Swayman are closer to being equal than Koskinen and Mike Smith. But then I thought – but now Mike Smith gets destroyed in game one, and now you're going to start him in game two? Yeah, Absolutely. Because it's going to happen he got destroyed in game one against Calgary, too. And then he came back in game two and got a shutout. Yeah, you got to roll back Mike Smith. They pulled him They they pulled him for a reason. Koskinen was worse in the game yesterday than Mike Smith. 
They pulled Mike Smith after three because the team sucked, and they clearly just were willing to rest him for game two. And then Koskinen comes in and was even worse. Gave up more goals in less time. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Mike Mike Smith. Mike Smith, he's not great, but he's also not he's not as bad as Koskinen. Koskinen got an eight ninety-seven save percentage. What's his goals against average in the playoffs? His goals against average in the playoffs. 4.02. 4.02. He's the third worst goalie to play has in the Has he play. started a game, though? Miko Koskin is not. Okay, so he's coming in when they're already getting hammered. So when he gives up three, you're not basing it off 60-minute game. So, his so, how do you, so how do you explain Mike Smith's 917 save percentage? He saved 91% of the shots in the playoffs, which is top five of any goalie to play in the playoffs this year. But, but you're not playing a team like Colorado, which we saw there yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I so at the end of the day, Colorado probably dummies both goalies. Koskinen, yeah, but the thing is, you're not only playing Koskinen, you're always you're making a statement here. You're lighting a fire under their ass, saying, "I'm not going to deal with this shit. You guys are going to play better." Mike Smith's going to say, "Oh wow, coach isn't pl- playing me. He's not playing me in game two now. Oh, I got to be better." It's a statement thing too. With I the understand the thing. that happens all the time, but I just don't think Koskinen gives the Oilers a better chance to win. I don't. Not well, with those numbers. Well, yeah, but he has inflated numbers. That's what I'm saying. All his numbers are not based on 60 minutes, whereas Mike Smith's are. If he comes in the third period and gave up two goals, well, now it's his goals against. It's not two. It's like no. economical. It's yes, I, yes, I understand that, but save percentage, yeah, number of. Goals against average is a flawed stat for that reason. His save percentage is 917. He has saved 91 out of every 100 shots. Mm-hmm. That is more of a measurement of a goalie and how well they perform than goals against average. Because you're right. If you give up if you give up three goals and you get pulled for the extra attacker, then your goals against average is going to be above three, even though you gave up three goals. That like it, It's definitely goals against is a flawed stat. But save percentage, 917, there have been Vesna Trophy winners within the 917 save percentage. I just think Colorado is a different breed. Well, they, they are, they are, but that's for everyone. They get more shots on that. Do you know? I don't know how many shots they had on yesterday. I think they were in the high 30s, though. I could look up. Be, if they're in the high 30s, you can't be doing that every game. 47. Oh, oh, my God. I gave them too much credit. There you go. You're giving up a 50 burger. Edmonton oh. had 37, though. And they yeah, scored but you're, giving, you're giving up almost 50 a game. We'll yeah, see what happens and, in game two, but they yeah. can't do that. Gabriel, the game was 7-6, and Gabriel Landis got scored an empty net goal to make it 8-6. So it was a one-goal game for the most part, and there was a goal scored by Colorado that made it – let me see. It made it – Excuse me, sorry. It made a three to two Colorado, mm-hmm. and I cannot believe that this goal counted. Did you know what I'm talking about here? Are you saying the empty net? No, there's a goal that if it was not called a goal, Edmonton very well could have won this game, and this conversation could have been very different. Um, they scored a goal, and Kale McCarr carried the puck into the offensive zone. And it appeared to be offsides. I believe we have a clip. Oh, I saw the picture. Where we have a clip for this. 
that we're getting ready to show here. And I just can't believe that this goal was called to be true. You see that Kale McCarr is carrying the puck into the offensive zone and the puck clearly enters the zone before Valeri Nachuskin tags up on the other side. I'm going to explain to you why this was called a goal. I just think it's a dog shit explanation. This was ruled a goal because of the fact that Kale McCarr last touched it in the neutral zone and then he doesn't touch it again in the offensive zone until Nachuskin is already tagged up. That is their explanation for why. Now, anybody with a brain knows that even though McCarr's not touching it right there, he has clear established possession of it. So I don't understand in what universe that this goal is onside. Should have been 6-6 avalanche going into overtime. Or 6-6 tie going into overtime. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I thought it was offside. I saw a picture from the blue line. It was like a blue line cam head on. Uh, and even then, there you could see it. Here you could even see it better, though, um, with this angle. Um, yeah, and I thought the rule was as long as it's like in the vicinity of your stick, that's considered possession. So I don't know if the refs made a bad call there because I'm pretty sure as long as it's like even if you're not touching it, you're, you still have possession. Like right there, you still have possession, even though the stick's not touching the puck. Um, I, yeah, it was a bad call. Absolutely. They reviewed this thing um, for a while, and Elliot Friedman texted other um, referees in the league, and they all agreed that this was the right call. That's and wild. I just don't understand it at all. Rule 83.3. In the NHL rulebook, delayed offsides. If during the course of delayed offsides, any member of the attacking team touches the puck, attempts to gain possession of a loose puck, forces the defending puck carrier further back into his own zone, or who is about to make physical contact with the defending puck carrier, the linesman shall stop play for offside violation. It just in no way, shape, or form. I don't care what any referee tweets, what they tell Elliot Friedman. In my brain, everything I know about hockey, that is offsides. And I'm honestly reading some of this stuff last night, and there are people calling it onside. There are people that think it's offside. And I was honestly sitting there reading some of these replies, getting angry, (laughs) like groaning. Like, what are these people freaking talking about? He, Even though he's not touching the puck, He has possession of it. It is clear, established possession from before he entered the offensive zone. Valeri Nechuskin is not tagged up. I don't understand. I don't care that he's not technically touching it until Nechuskin. He touched it before entering the zone. There is established possession from the second he enters the blue line before he enters the blue line. And the Chuskin's not tagged up. And the stick being over the plane of the neutral zone does not count as Nachuskin tagging up. It has to be skates. Otherwise, guys would just extend their stick as far as they can and be onside almost every play. Being onside in the National Hockey League is supposed to be hard. Okay? It's not supposed to be something that's easy. Onside, is it annoying when plays are called onside? We got to stop and reset out. No. But Hockey would be unfair if there was no offsides rules. It's a necessary rule. Otherwise, guys would just 
cherry picked the whole time and there would be no fun whatsoever. I just can't believe watching this stuff. It honestly makes me so angry. Yeah, it's it's guaranteed it's offside. I don't know why everybody's agreeing with it. It's clear as day offside. And I'm pretty sure there's been plays called offside for what we just saw exactly. I, I can't name any specifics, but I'm pretty sure there have been plenty of plays the same thing that were called offsides. Like, that is just standard offsides. Like, how often when a play is offsides, they're touching it going in like that. They're always, like, pushing it ahead to go offside. You know what I mean? And most of the time when the play is that close, like, it's blown dead before. Right. Like, I, I just don't care how that was even missed. Like, it was so obviously offside in real time that I just can't believe that they used that. I mean, how do you feel about that excuse for calling it a goal? The fact that he didn't touch the puck. No, I don't like it. Because in my opinion, he still has possession, even though he's not yeah. touching. You can use your common sense brain to see who has possession of a puck. Yeah, if Connor McDavid yeah. is dangling through some shit, the puck's not literally touching his stick 100% of the time. If I wind up a, for a slap shot, okay? If Ovechkin's carrying the puck in and he takes his wind up to hit it, is he not have possession of the puck right now? And they would call of it offsides. He does. They would call it offsides. Exactly. That's why I just yeah. They're really setting a bad precedent by allowing that to be a goal yesterday. God damn it. I hope Edmonton Oilers win this series. That's such bullshit. That is just com- a complete clown show that that counted. If huh? we have to bring our own, I said I'm still rooting for the Avalanche. If we have to bring our own refs, we'll bring our own refs. Whatever. But. That's just stupid. So I hope Edmonton. You'd rather Colorado win? Oh, yeah. I want to wow. see him win the cup. I want to see him win the cup. Oh, you want to be right. <laughs> yeah, that's bullshit. You want to be right. I don't, I don't have anything against the Avalanche. No, neither do I. But give me Connor in a or give me Connor in a Stanley Cup final. Nah, That's what I want to do. Uh, he'll get one. I think he'll get one. I hope. Hopefully he doesn't have to leave in free agency. Hopefully. Never know. Hopefully uh, Edmonton surrounds him with some better defensemen next year. You, you really oh. never know, I guess. That's true. That is the portion of the show where we preview this series. Frankie thinks Colorado's going to win easily. I think Colorado's going to win with difficulty. Um. I'm just happy I get to watch Connor McDavid for at least a couple more games. That always puts a smile on my face. Can't wait for tomorrow night. Um, tonight, we will kick off the series between the New York Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Frank, the two best goalies in the world facing off against one another. Do the New York Rangers have a chance? No, I don't think so. Elaborate. I, well, I just... I mean, don't get me wrong. Shesterkin's been fantastic. But I'm not seeing the magic this postseason that I saw from him in the regular season. He's kind of dipped down a little bit. I saw this in March from two, and it didn't turn out too well. When you're playing the Tampa Bay Lightning, you have to be better than what you were previous. And I'm not seeing that right now. So maybe maybe now that they're in the Eastern Conference Finals, we may see something different. But I think they're just too strong of a team. I think experience rules over just about everything. I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning, I've won back-to-back Stanley Cups. they got a ton of experience in the playoffs. Shesterkin's got no experience in the playoffs. 
Um, I just, I just don't see it. I think they're just going to be too strong. They proved that to me when they swept the Florida Panthers of how strong they really are and how dangerous they could be in the playoffs. I just don't see the Tampa Bay Lightning going through the Leafs, the Panthers, and then losing to the Rangers because I think the Rangers will be the worst of the three. I agree with that. The Rangers team, they feel like a team of destiny. It honestly makes me angry. They feel like a team of destiny. If they win this series, I'm picking them to win the cup. I don't care. If they get past, well, no, I don't know. I still think Colorado's too strong. I think Colorado's better than Tampa. So. Oh, I don't. Oh, I don't. If if New York, if New York, I kind of want want Colorado to face Tampa, and then Colorado just winning like five. Yeah, I don't foresee that happening, but maybe. I mean, it'd be entertaining. I just hope that my theory, like I'm, I got a couple theories. My first theory is that this is a Rangers team of destiny and they're going to beat the Lightning in like six or seven and go on and win the cup. Um, then I also think like, okay, they did play mostly against Louis Domingue in the first round and mostly split between, I, I keep drawing a blank on Carolina's third stringer and then Antti Ranta. Um, they haven't faced, they've kind of gotten a little lucky in that aspect. Um of course, they have Igor Shesterkin, and then Fox was New York's best player in Game 7 against the Hurricanes. But it's they have come. good forwards up front, Panarin, Zabanajad, and Kreider. So I think you were going to kind of lean into it. Like, who's your X factor for the New York Rangers there? Well, before I get to that, it's just going to come down to can the Rangers win on the road? Because we know Vasilevsky's stats at home. We know in clinching games what his stats are. I think he's like nine and one in his past ten home playoff games with three shutouts or something. Unless, or maybe that was like in a game seven. I don't remember, but I think like he has crazy stats at home. And the Rangers struggled to win on the road in Carolina until game seven. But my X factors for the series, I got two players: one on offense and one on defense. The first one on defense is Keandre Miller. He is playing 23-plus minutes per game, and has only gotten five points. In 14 games, he has done nothing but play defense. And as we've seen, that doesn't work. They've gone to Game 7 twice now. That's not going to work. I want to see him chip in a little bit more. It's I not going to I want, I want to see it. it, 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 a, that, it if, if, he, if he chips in a little bit more, it, it can happen. Are you, saying he's, are you saying he's your X factor? He's one of my yeah. He's my one of my defensive X X factors. Okay. If he chips in a little bit more, they'll win the series. I mean, you're not even a half a point per game. You got to do something. I mean, even defensive defensemen in the NHL. I mean, go look at all the play, the teams who won the Stanley Cup and look at some of their defensive defensemen. They've got more than five points their first two rounds. I mean, he he could play a lot better than he is right now. My other one is Lafreniere who's played in also the 14 games, but he's only got seven points. And he has been a dud ever since coming to the Rangers. The Rangers thought they were going to get a lot more out of him. And if they could get what they thought that they were going to get out of him in the postseason, then maybe they could squeak away with the win. But regardless, I just don't see it happening. But if these players play the way they should, in my eyes, then maybe they can. Maybe they can make it a little bit more competitively. Because right now, I don't think it's going to be competitive. Interesting. For me, my X factors are Lafreniere and Kako. I mean, if these guys were to hit like one first overall and second overall picks, then I think the Rangers would be a cup team. 
because then you would add those two guys like to the likes of Panarin, Kreider, Zabanajad, Strom, and that just hasn't happened. They've been busts. Keandre Miller, you're not going to get more offense from him. You're going to be yelling at a cloud if that's the point because the Rangers love this guy. He plays outstanding defense. It's just that he, he plays mostly with uh, Fox a lot of the time and Truba, and those guys are riverboat gamblers, and Fo- and uh, Keandre Miller just stays back, and it's just not going to happen. Um, and the Rangers, Gerard Gallant, if if Keandre Miller ever got caught out of position trying to make an offensive play when he's not that type of player, I think Gerard Gallant, that vein in his head that he always has, would fucking explode. Yeah, but I think you need to take risks. There are certain I, players who do that. I think that if you want to you catch the Tampa Bay Lightning off guard, you're not expecting Keandre Miller to chip in, and neither are they. Yo, I, I mean, I understand your logic. You're not wrong. If he finds a way to have five points this series, that would be huge. And, I mean, the you know the power of surprise is a big tool to use when you know it's coming but your opponent doesn't. That could work out wonders. They might not cover him as well because they don't think he's going to chip in a little bit. They're like, oh, he always plays defense. Look at his stats from the whole year and the, the first couple rounds. But if you start throwing out surprises, I think he could make a big difference in this series. Yes, I completely agree with that. I just don't want you to think that Keandre Miller is like a oh, bad I'm not player. Saying- by any- he's, no, he's not a bad he's player. Very, like if, he came, if he came to the Hawks right now, another player that the Blackhawks took freaking Adam Boquist over, He'd probably be like their second best defenseman. He's got a Corsi for this regular season of 50%, which is like if you're over 50% as a defenseman, that's amazing. He only had seven goals, 13 assists for 20 points in 82 games, but he was plus 23, and he had 6.4 point shares for the Rangers this year. Uh, He created 102 shots, and that just really, really, really freaking helps his team. I'm trying to find playoff progression. I'm saying he's a bad player. No, I'm I know. What, I know what you're saying. As an X factor, because I don't think the Rangers have a chance to win the series. But if they do win the series, I guarantee you that if the Rangers come out in this series, it will be you will see Keandre Miller on the score sheet a little bit more. Guaranteed. You, you, you'll watch, and we'll pull up the stats after the series is over, and we'll run it over if the Rangers won. And I, I, we'll pull up and see how he did. And I think that if they win, it will be because he chipped in a little bit more. And same with Lafreniere. Same goes for him, too. That That's an interesting name to bring up, Keandre Miller. I never thought about it. I always, when I think of offense from the back end for the Rangers, obviously Truba comes to mind. Fox is top five in the NHL. Um, what is, I mean, Capo Caco and Lafreniere. Like I said, if they hit like their draft status suggests they should, like if they had Zegris instead of Kako, who was available in that draft, or if they took, I don't know, who's been better than Lafreniere from his draft? Dawson Mercer has been better than Lafreniere from his draft. Uh, Lucas Raymond has been better from his draft than Lafreniere. I don't know. Uh, oh, it's not. It's uh, Tim Stutzla, too. He went third to the um, Ottawa Senators. He's been better than Lafreniere. If you had one of those guys instead of him, man, the Rangers might be the favorite in this series against the Lightning, or at least a lot less of a dog. Oh, right. So, 
I don't know. I'm worried. I'm not going to lie. As a New York Ranger hater, I'm very worried. I am not confident. I think the Lightning are going to win, but I got them winning in seven. I think both of these series are going to go seven. That That's crazy, actually. I'm the opposite. Yeah, I, I mean. I think they're both going to end in five. Or... It's like what we were saying about the 49ers who barely lost to the Rams, who won the Super Bowl. Um, Once you're this far, you got to like, we got to have a little bit more respect for these teams. The one, like all the narrative that existed before the playoffs started, I thought the Rangers were the worst team in the playoffs in the Eastern conference. Now they're in the final four. Like that narrative. I just got to forget about it. Like that just, that can't be how I look at it anymore. And it was like that for me in the playoffs last year with the Braves. Eventually by the NLCS, I had to lose this narrative that the Braves were the worst team in the playoffs. They ended up beating the Dodgers and winning the world series. You know, so that's kind of where I'm at with the Rangers. I'm like scared to like, you know, the Lightning have won the last two Stanley Cups and the Rangers have, you know, kind of been mediocre until this year when they finally took that next step into making the playoffs. And I just, when's the last time a team won three in a row? When's the last time a team won? The Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I think it was uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, no, no, no. Or the New, New York, York Islanders. Islanders. Yeah. That's, I got the colors, the same colors. Yeah, because Edmonton went Edmonton, Edmonton, Calgary, Edmonton, Edmonton. They won four out of five. Yeah, um, I think I'm pretty sure it was the New York Islanders. In yeah, the and, they, and they won four in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, 80, 81, 82, and 83. Um, the Lightning, though. Like, even when's the last time a team won two in a row and then made it back to the final the next year and lost? That hasn't even ha- like the lightning would be doing some special stuff, and that's why I'm nervous too. You know, how long does it last? How long does Vasilevsky stay in God mode in these elimination games? Like it's gonna end eventually, just you know, and, and when it does end, when it does end, people are gonna be surprised about it. They're gonna be like, Wow, didn't see that coming. Didn't see Panarin scoring a goal in this game seven against the freaking lightning. Yeah. So I'm nervous about that. I have more faith in Colorado than I do Tampa. I'm being funny. But I think both go seven. McDavid's going to come to play next. I mean, he came to play last game. He was amazing. But Edmonton's pissed. They are pissed off about that no goal call or that goal call. Cannot believe that shit was onside. Um. So your Stanley Cup final prediction is the Colorado Avalanche versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, now it wasn't before the season, but yeah, now I think that's what we're gonna see. Well, yeah, wow, it's it's hard to see the Rangers this far. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it's uh, that's that's one of those teams for me that they are just like your bitter rival, and when they win, it sucks for you as a fan of your favorite team. But I'm extremely happy for a lot of those guys. I mean, the Hawks gave up on Panarin. Any fool that thought Panarin was only good because of Kane, look at you now, you idiot. Um, the New York Rangers traded Derek Broussard to the Ottawa Senators for Mika Zabanajad because Zabanajad didn't light the world on fire. And this is why I tell people to be careful about shitting on Lafreniere because Lafreniere and Zabanajad's numbers in their first couple years are very similar. Kako's uh, a different story. He looks outmatched. He scores nothing ever. Like Lafreniere scores some goals. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and he's physical. He's kind of a douche. Like he's an NHL player. Kako, I don't see it as much from him as I do from Lafreniere. But you know, Ottawa gave up on Zabanajad because they wanted to win. Now they made it to the Stanley Cup final or the Eastern Conference final and lost to the Penguins. But like Broussard was on that team and he was a key contributor. Um, I just I can't believe they got. Zabanajad for Broussard, and then Strom's been a pretty good player. They got Panarin in free agency. Carolina didn't want to sign Fox, so they trade. Or I'm trying to think of how it went. Fox was drafted by Calgary, and he was traded with Dougie Hamilton to Carolina. And Carolina wasn't going to be able to sign him as a college free agent, so then he joined free agency after going undraft or after unsigned. Because, you know, if you're drafted, but your NHL team that drafts you doesn't sign you by a certain period, you're a free agent. And that became the case with Fox, and he moved on to New York. And now they have a series. And they, they landed Truba in the trade with the Winnipeg Jets. It was kind of like a sign-and-trade kind of deal. And then they drafted Igor Shesterkin with a pick that was given to them by the Blackhawks. Now a lot of people know that. So it's, it's a rough go of it. But then you got the Lightning. I mean, look at what the Lightning have done. They took Stamkos with the first overall pick. They got lucky by landing Kucherov. I want to say he was taken in the second round. Um, they wasted a high draft pick on Vasilevsky. Hard to take a goalie that high. It worked out for them. You know, it's funny. Since 2000, the same number of goalies to play over 100 games in the NHL went undrafted as ones that went drafted. Say that again. Since 2000, the same percentage of goalies that have played 100 games in the NHL, it's like 50-50. The same number of goalies playing in the NHL were drafted as opposed to undrafted. Hmm. Goalies are a freaking – you hit on a goalie – Look at why the Devils were so good for so long. They found Martin Brodeur. The Lightning had have Vasilevsky. The Montreal Canadiens should be kicking themselves for not taking full advantage of Carey Price because it is just unfat. Like, you get a goalie that good. But, you know, back to Tampa, Kucherov, they landed. Point was a third rounder. Um, Hedman was a second overall pick. I mean, he's gonna he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, they traded for McDonough. I believe they traded Vladislav Nemesnikov for McDonough to the New York Rangers. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of who else. They acquired Palat, Hagel. I mean, they just build their team the right way, and those two teams got to be pretty proud of the way things have come along, and now they're going to play each other in this series. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to watch it. Oh, yeah. It should be fun to watch. Absolutely. Um, of New York and Edmonton, who is the most likely to pull off an upset? Uh, the Rangers. You think? Okay. Mm -hmm. That's crazy that we think that about a team. We think a team with the two best players in the NHL or two of the four best players. No chance. My here's how I'd rank the odds of winning the cup. It'd go Colorado one, Tampa two, Rangers three, Edmonton four. We have the same except I would flip Tampa and Colorado. 
Yeah. yeah. That's what I want it to be. Talk about an entertaining series. Tampa that'll, Colorado? That'll be an entertaining series. I think Tampa versus either Western champion. No, if Tampa faces Edmonton, I think it's over. I don't know. You, you see, you're just never going to give Edmonton not, unless, unless Gary Bettman hands McDavid that cup. I don't know why. I'm just not a fan of the Oilers. That's fine, but like, I just don't see. At what them. point? At what point are you? Are we just wrong about them? It's Me just included. like the whole Toronto thing. Okay, but the Oilers have won two playoff series now. No, I'm not saying they're not going to win a playoff series like Toronto, but I'm saying like they need to prove it, just like Toronto needs to prove it. I mean the. Think about when the Hawks beat them in the play-in series. They should have never lost that play-in series, the Oilers. Could yeah, no, it? of course could not. They do it? Could they do it? Can, like, you're playing the Colorado Avalanche now. I mean, you got to prove that you could hang with the big dogs. To me, the the Calgary Flames and the uh, Los Angeles Kings, those aren't the big dogs. The Flames I mean, are. I don't think so, by oh, any means. Just because they had over 100 points, I don't think they're a big dog. But when you're playing teams like Colorado and – the Panthers or Tampa Bay, those are the big dogs. Now you're talking about the big fish. See, I, I think Calgary's in that vein. I do. I, I, they, no. they were one of the more dominant teams. They had a Vesna caliber goaltender, really good defense, five guys with 30 or more goals. I mean, to me, they're, they're big dogs. I only think, proved me wrong. I only think there's three big dogs in the NHL. Colorado, Tampa Bay. And Florida. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't agree with that. Only because Calgary was just so dominant all year long, and Sutter plays. He has his guys play playoff hockey all year long, and then the Kings have. The Kings aren't a big dog by any means, but they had ninety nine points for a reason. They were a surprise this year. They have Stanley Cup champions all over the ice: Brown, Kopitar, Dowdy, Quick, and then play with Dowdy. But I don't know. Edmonton's proven me wrong. I will gladly hold up my hand and say I was wrong about the Oilers. I had them losing to the Kings, and now they're in the conference finals. I actually had I had three of these four teams that are left out in the first round. If you never want me to doubt the Oilers again, if they beat the Colorado Avalanche and they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, I'll never doubt them again in my life. That's fine. I mean, they're in the final four. They proved us both wrong and everything. That's not good enough for me. We picked against them twice, and they shut us both down. Right. So eventually, most teams lose at some point. There's only one champion. But now it's like you're going against the best of the best. It's like you could kind of use tennis, for example, right? You're going to play some guys ranked in the top 20, top 15, and you beat them. You're like, wow, that's a big win. That's a big career win. But now you're going to play Nadal. Could you beat the best of the best? Could you beat Djokovic? Could you do it with the big fish? Is what I'm saying. You could get those big wins. Like that's a big win for Cal or for Edmonton to have Calgary on their resume, saying we beat the Calgary Flames and we beat them in five. But now you're going to play the Colorado Avalanche, who are to me is like the cream of the crop. Could you beat the Colorado Avalanche? Could you beat the Tampa Bay Lightning? To me, that's when you really start to say I proved you guys wrong. That's fair. I I just think to me with Edmonton. They have two of the five best players in the league. Their defense is suspect, including the goalie. But when you have McDavid and Dreisaitl and you're in the final four, like they are part of the best now to me. Next week we will know more about this whole discussion. Yeah. And if they lose to Colorado in seven. If they lose in four, it's an embarrassment. Then it proves my point once again. Yeah. And, and 
I mean, it shows that Colorado is significantly better than them. Mm-hmm. But if they lose in six or seven, I'll feel the same way as I did about the Leafs. I feel even better about the Leafs now that Tampa smoked Florida. We've had that conversation. But if they lose in six or seven and they're competitive, yesterday was a one-goal game, and one of Colorado's goals should not have counted. Who knows what McDavid could have did in the overtime. If they bring it to seven, I'll be impressed. I will start to doubt them less, even then, if they could even bring it to seven. But I just don't think it's going to happen. We'll see. Yep, we will see. So Frankie's got the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Colorado Avalanche in the Stanley Cup final, as do I. I just think it's going to be a little more difficult of a road for the two teams in the Stanley Cup final, and then they'll be ready to just beat each other up more in the final. But part of me thinks that both of us picking that we're going to have an Oilers versus Rangers Stanley Cup final, the Wayne Gretzky Stanley Cup final, the Wayne Gretzky Cup final. That would be insane. Yeah. Go Oilers. Um, yeah, that was some really good playoff analysis getting through two periods in an hour 16. But we are going to head on over and have some fun in period number three. Welcome to period three presented by the Barroom Network. And of course, Lou Malnati's. Make sure you go and get your Lou Malnati's pizza today. Frank, did you watch episodes one and two and perhaps three? Of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I did watch one. I, I watched episode one and two. Almost watched three, but didn't. What do you mean? Like last night, because I was up. We were up kind of late. I was going over the show for today. And it was it was almost that time. It's like, do I watch it or do I not? And I'm like, well, I have a lot of extra time today. Um, so I'm like, I'll just, I'll watch it today. Um, episodes one and two, outstanding. Um, it's everything I want in the Kenobi series and more. Absolutely. I thought it'd be great, but it's incredible. Um, yeah, I'm very happy with what I've seen and the way episode two, the second episode, uh, ended made me really excited for episode three. But I I know you watched episode three. I watched it at 2 AM. The episode was two minutes old when I clicked play. And how did you like it? It was the best one so far. Oh, no. Yeah. I should have watched it. You should have watched it. It's probably it's probably the best. It's either the best or second best TV episode relating to Star Wars. The wow. only one The only one that it you watched Boba, right? No. Oh, you never watched Boba? I got to get to it. I want to watch the Clone Wars. I'm finishing the Clone Wars. There's one episode of Boba Fett that compete, And Boba Fett as a show is not as good as Mandalorian. But there's one episode specifically of Boba Fett that is better than any Mando episode, any Obi-Wan. I think I still would rank it one. Yeah. There's one episode of Boba that would be the number one episode of a Star Wars TV show for me. Isn't that like episode three? Or something of Boba. I want to. No, I thought it was a little later. I'm pretty sure it's the second to last episode or third oh, to last I, episode. I, don't know. I never watched it, but I thought I heard a lot of rumblings. Yeah, there's one episode of Boba Fett that is right there with the best TV episode of any show, really. But well, specifically number, Star Wars. Well, what's your number one? What's the number one? You said this was the second best. What? You said that what happens in episode three of Kenobi is your second favorite. Yeah, this one episode of Boba is, is number one. Yeah. What about the ending? I thought the ending episode of 
season two of The Mandalorian was incredible. It was. <laughs> That's my one for I what put I, it, I would I put, it, I would put that third. I haven't seen Boba and episode three, so right now that's my one. I would put that third because that that has one scene. That might be the best scene. That was a good scene. But the episode from top to bottom, I would go. You're saying the episode. I thought you said the scene. No, the episode. The entire episode. It like you realize something when you're watching. It's like, whoa, I'm seeing this. This is this is real right now. Okay, I can't. Yeah. I'm gonna watch it today, probably. So, oh yeah, I can't wait to hear about it. So the show for me, as of right now, it's in the high eights with serious potential to break nine. Yeah, it's outstanding, and I can't wait to hear everyone's opinion of episode three. I know Scox might be in the chat. I'm interested to see. Where's Scox? He's yeah. usually the guy to go to when he's. Yeah, I want to know if he watched it. Um. Got a lot of stuff going on in the sports world right now. The NBA is very near to the end. The NHL is getting close to the end. Major League Baseball is just getting started June June 1st today. Um, what's your favorite sports story of the week? Could be from hockey, baseball, football. I know you got one. Lay it on me. I actually got two because one is less talking than the other, or they kind of both. I wanted to fill the time wisely here. So I, I came up with two smaller stories. Um, I don't know if you heard. I thought it was mind-blowing, me personally. But I'm sure you heard that the Reds have won their first game at Fenway Park since October 22nd, 1975. You heard that, right? Oh, yeah. Because they're playing. I mean, they don't play them very often. Right. I mean, interleague, years. interleague play also didn't start till the late 90s. Mm-hmm. And I think they've only played the Reds like six times since then. But it was big enough news that I was able to see it, and it came up that I was like, wow, that's insane. And I, even a lot of people were still mind-blown to lose six straight in Fenway. I mean, you, you just think, like, it's it's not something you're going to wake up and hear, like, oh, the Reds won their first game in 47 years at Fenway Park. I mean, it's just not something you're expecting to hear. So it kind of caught me off guard. Um, so I just I wanted to share that with people who haven't, you know, who haven't seen or heard of that. The other thing. Have you heard about the fantasy football drama going around in the MLB right now? Oh, yeah, with Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham. Did you hear it got worse, though? Oh, yeah. With Mike Trout. (laughs) Yep. He called – well, first of all, Tommy Pham slapped Jock Peterson because he didn't like the way the IR IR rules were set up in the fantasy football league. And ultimately, he was suspended three games for the slap. Um, But then he's just – he comes out and he, he said it with a smile. With the smile on his face, kind of chuckling, saying that Trout is the worst commissioner in the history of fantasy sports. But deep down, I don't care if he's smiling, he's trying to play it off. I think he truly means that. I think he's just being an asshole right now. Um, but the drama is building. It's like, where does the story go? Who is he going to call out next? Is Randy a Rosarena like the worst fantasy football player of all time? Like, who's he going to call out? I'm, I'm in for this story. I want to see where it goes. I want to be in this fantasy football league. And not only that, but Mike Trout also had a press conference scheduled today. I don't know if it happened already, but I want to know if he responded to the comment. I want to know, like, what's going on with that. I want to see, like, if Trout took it as a jokingly uh, way or if he's, like, pissed about him, he's going to start firing back at Tommy Pham. It's good drama. It's like it is good drama. I love it. I, I want to be in this fantasy league. Really I know. Bad. It sounds like it's stacked. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking for a quote right now. Said that Mike Trout, no fantasy football. Com- this is from Adam Schefter. No fantasy football commissioner should ever endure the type of criticism that commissioner of Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson's league, Mike Trout, is now getting. Trout did a terrible job, man, Tommy Pham said. Trout's the worst commissioner in fantasy sports. Mike Trout declined to comment on whether Jock Peterson violated the rules of the fantasy league. He said he is unsure if he'll resign as commissioner for this upcoming season. Every commissioner I know gets booed. See, I I feel like it's like not a joke, but they're playing it off as a joke. Like what's going on? Like, why would he resign? Like, it's not that big of a deal. It's like their personal friend, league so him saying hey, i might resign it's like they're taking it as a job like i don't know it's like messing with my brain right now that's funny i like it, the drama it is good drama right it's a story that everybody should be following because you don't know who's going to be thrown out next yeah i'm well, fully in on this story you know everybody's been following the amber heard and johnny depp trial i'm following the fantasy football drama in the mlb right now yeah, I want to know what's going on. I want to watch them draft. They 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 could make money off this shit. I want to know who's in the league. Yeah, I would like to know who's in the league too. I wonder if because like know, when I think of like ten people. Yeah, and I know Jake Arrieta's good friends with Jock Peterson to bring a little Chicago flavor to it. Uh, Tommy Lastella, who now plays for the San Francisco Giants, he was on the Cubs at one point. All those guys are pals now. Most of them play back on the West Coast, obviously. When the Cubs cut Jake Arrieta last year, he went on and played for a cup of coffee with the San Diego Padres. And um, Jock Peterson was obviously with the Braves at the end of last year after spending the first half with the Cubs, but spent his whole career with the Los Angeles Dodgers before that. So, yeah, I'm excited about that, actually. You're going to keep track of it now. Yeah, and if you go to Bleacher Report Walk-Off on Twitter, you can see the whole media scrum where Mike Trout kind of talks about that whole thing. So I'm, I'm excited. excited about it. You haven't heard the end of it. Trust me. There will be more. Yeah. Last night when I brought up my favorite sports story to you, do you remember what it was? No, I don't. I'm like drawing a blank on what I was supposed to just remember what I told you last night. Oh, um, was it? oh yeah. It had to do with uh, football. Something in football. It was an NFL. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. My favorite sports story of the week. So those of you who know, I'm very critical of the Chicago Bears. Okay, I think they suck. I think they're a poorly ran organization. I think everything from top to bottom is just dog trash. Ted Phillips is way too involved. George McCaskey's way too involved. Virginia McCaskey's been a bad owner forever. I just think it is a poorly ran organization. I have no faith in them whatsoever. Ryan Poles. Looks all nice up there at the press conferences, well-dressed, good talker. Matt Eberflus says all the right candy-ass shit. I don't trust any of them, really, yet. They can earn my trust, but as of right now, they're the Chicago Bears GM and the Chicago Bears head coach. The last five have all sucked. And eh, Lovey Smith didn't suck. He got the shaft. But... You know, they've had a bunch of garbage players, a bunch of garbage coaches, a bunch of garbage everything. Akeem Hicks should be with the Chicago Bears. He should. But I'm so happy he didn't come back to the Chicago Bears. They don't deserve him. He don't need them. He signed a one-year deal. 
with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're going to just be so sick down there. He gets to join that crew. Tom Brady's offense is going to be outstanding with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Uh, we'll see if Gronk ret- returns. Um, I like that team. And now Akeem Hicks, who's been one of the better defensive linemen for the last six or seven years, is going to go down there. Hopefully he stays healthy. It's been a little bit of an issue for him in recent times. But my favorite sports story of the week is getting to see Akeem play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. According to FanDuel, Bears have worse odds to win the NFC North than the Detroit Lions. And I loved seeing that. I loved seeing that because everybody got on me on this show for thinking that the Lions were going to be better than the Bears. They're absolutely going to be better than the Bears. It's going to be hilarious when the Bears come in last place and everyone wants to know why. I just hope Justin shows me something. But as of right now, Bears suck. Pisses me off. But my favorite sports story is that Akeem Hicks gets to go play for a contender. You have any reaction? No. <laughs> Denver Broncos are going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, Frank, give me an update on video games. There's actually a lot happening within the next 11 days. It's going to be jam-packed. Summer is the time for video games. You know, every year over the summer, we're used to being excited for E3. I look forward to E3. We've spent a lot of moments together with E3 over the yep. years. We would come we over. Come over every single day. All, yep. We would throw on all the different showcases they have going on. But that's not going to happen this year. Um, E3 is not going to happen. But that doesn't mean you're not going to get your broadcast and showcases from companies. Just because it's not called E3 doesn't mean there's not going to be a lot of content coming out. And starting tomorrow, PlayStation is doing their state of play to kind of give fans of the PlayStation community where they're at right now. But it's going to mainly focus on um, third-party games. So none of their first-party games like uh, God of War, stuff stuff that they create solely is not going to really be focused on too much. They might, I think personally they might throw in a surprise there. They said it's with the focus on third party, but they didn't say there wouldn't be any first party stuff. And I know God of War Ragnarok is supposed to be coming out in the near future. So there may be some, you know, they didn't rule it out by any means, which is why I think there could be something big coming. But yeah, the state of play for PlayStation is tomorrow. The Summer Games Fest will take place on June 9th, which is kind of like an E3, but not like an E3. There's more than 30 companies taking place in it Activision, EA. Um, you name a company, a video game company, and there's a good chance that they're taking part of the Summer Game Fest or they're going to just showcase a whole bunch of different stuff, games and stuff and that's coming out and things that they're working on. You're gonna, you're still going to get your showcase that you see. It's just not going to be taglined with E3, which is fine with me. I don't care. As long as I can get information and new releases and announcements and stuff that's fine whatever you got to call it summer games fest that's fine and include netflix is actually included in that because i don't know if you knew this Vin, but netflix is trying to also broaden their horizons and also join the video game scene too and not just be a streaming service for movies and tv shows they want to join the video game world so they will also be taking part in the summer games fest and on june 12th xbox and xbox and bethesda will be doing their gaming showcase so like just like uh, PlayStation's doing their state of play June 2nd, uh, June 12th, Xbox will be doing theirs uh, along with Bethesda because Bethesda is now part of Xbox. 
Um, so that should be really interesting. We will see what they announced uh, upcoming and whatnot. So that's like all the streaming shows that are taking place. The Xbox Game Pass this month, today's June 1st, starting today. They got a couple cool triple A video game titles. Assassin's Creed Origins, great game. If you haven't gotten the chance to play it, the Assassin's Creed games are all great. Xbox Game Pass is the um, is the one of the greatest values in gaming. It is my the best in my opinion right now uh, in terms of value. Yes, like Skylar says, the MW two reveal is a week from today. I can't wait for that. There's a lot of stuff going on in these next couple weeks. I'm telling you. It's a big time for gaming. The summer's always big for gaming. They do that on purpose, and then they can release everything in November during holiday time, and they make the boohoo bucks. Um, Vin, also, I don't know if you heard, Star Wars Jedi Survivor was announced. That is a sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um, it's canon to the Star Wars universe, so if you like to know, you like to watch all the TV shows, I'd probably give it a watch. Um, Cal Kestis is the main character in the series, which there are rumors that he will make his debut in Obi-Wan because it takes place at the exact same time as uh, the Obi-Wan series, as the video game. They both take place at the same exact time. And the Grand Inquisitor that is in uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show is in the video game as well, which is another reason why rumors are leading to that. Star Wars Jedi Survivor comes out, no release date, but it will come out in the, later down the line. And perhaps the biggest gaming news, which I'm sure you woke up and saw, is who will be gracing the Madden cover this year. And I wrote an article about it when he passed away. John Madden will be the Madden 23 cover athlete this year. I am not surprised by any means. I actually wrote a couple different articles predicting, and then I did the five uh, most likely candidates. And he was number one to be the most likely. And then I also predicted that he would be on the cover because, like, how could you not have him on the cover? He is, his name is in the title. He's the reason for all these Madden games. It's the first time he'll be on a cover since the year 2000, Madden 2000. It just seems right after passing away to kind of do it as like a little tribute. And the early cover that I saw, if that's the cover that they're going with, I assume it is. Uh, it's actually a really sick cover. Um, and, you know, I love John Madden. Um, he's, he's dearly missed in the football world. I know a lot of people are missing him. I'm missing him. I think it's great that EA Sports decided to honor him for Madden 23. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the picture was a Madden cover already. Like they're I think it is. I think that's what they're using. Yeah. It was like the black and gold. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's some expert video game analysis from our video game insider, Frankie Mueller. Make sure you go to apptrigger.com and read all of his stuff. Frank, really quick, the NBA Finals, Boston Celtics versus the Golden State Warriors. Who do you got? I don't see a world where the Celtics are able to overcome the Golden State Warriors. They're just too powerful. Basketball is a very weird sport where it's like if you have the best players on your team, you're just dominant. You know? The Celtics proved me wrong. I can't believe they're in the Finals. But it's just when you have Curry and Thompson and Draymond Green and all playing at their best, it's a hard trio to overcome. I completely agree. I think the Golden State Warriors probably should sweep this series and maybe win in five or six. The Celtics didn't look that good against the Heat. There were some injuries. Um, there was that that game six was just it looked like college basketball. But you know. The Celtics were able to overcome it. They've overcome a lot in this postseason. So I guess them winning wouldn't surprise me 
maybe as much as some other people, but I still think Golden State will be able to win with relative ease, but that's just as of right now. Um, I, I can't root against the Boston team unless they're playing one of my favorite teams. Like, what did I list off yesterday as the teams I wouldn't root for a Boston team over? The White Sox, the Bears, the Devils, um, probably the Bucks. If the Pats played the Bucks, the Tom Brady Bucks. If Tom Brady retires and New England plays the Bucks, I root for New England. But as long as Tom's there, but I root for Tom as a result of a Boston team. So, and then NIU. You know, they played Boston College a couple years back. Skylar brings up the Husky tailgating to look forward to in the chat. Of course, can't wait. My God, some of my favorite times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, go Celtics, but I don't think so. No, I don't um, think so. We are not going to be on air next week. Um, we're taking uh, – the show really takes off. It hasn't taken off in a long time. Um, we're going on vacation. And we're not going to have a show. It's going to be right in the mid to end of the conference finals, but we will be back plenty of time to go for the Stanley Cup final next or two Wednesdays from now. And we'll be previewing whatever's going to be going on in that series. Frankie and I both kind of agree that it's going to be the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning, but chances are one of those two could be wrong. It's nothing's a lock. I mean, nothing's a lock in sports. People always think stuff's locks. And if stuff were locks, we'd all be rich. We'd all go on our fan duel or bar stool sports book every single day and just win all the time. It's not the case. So hopefully everybody enjoyed this show. Um, I'm excited to do our Stanley Cup show. We'll be off next week because of vacation, but maybe you can get right back at it. Um, you might remember last week, last Wednesday, there were a couple guys walking around guaranteed rate field. They were from a podcast called the Dolly Parton podcast. They just talk about everything. And they tweeted a picture of themselves holding a sign that says, bring back dollar hot dog Wednesday. Cause the white Sox used to give out dollar hot dogs every Wednesday home game. And it was delightful. They were like the hot dogs given away for a dollar. I mean, you eat 10 of these things for the price of one and a half at a normal game. And, um, these guys made the sign to bring it back and they were walking around. So I sent them a tweet saying, uh, I want to meet you guys and have you on my podcast. And we met, we took the picture. They were very tall. I'm not short. They're tall. Um, and put it on social media and they are going to be on crosstown crosstalk tomorrow to discuss the ideas of making the sign, why they love dollar hot dogs so much, maybe a little white socks talk. Why the hell is it called the Dolly Parton podcast? so many interesting things i'm gonna ask these guys they're interesting fellows and i can't wait to interview them you could catch that tomorrow at 2 p.m crosstown crosstalk will also be taking a one-week hiatus as a result of vacation um the south burbs hitman will live on without me i will not be on the show though but you can still tune in and check all those guys um got some great content coming up there i will be back one week from today on the or no i guess my next my next uh barroom appearance after tomorrow will be South Burbs Hitman two weeks from now. So excited about that. Can't wait to get going in the summer and all that. Um, We are going to close out the show with everybody's favorite segment of the week, Breaking Bets.
Where's my money, bitch? Welcome to Breaking Bets, brought to you by the Barroom Network. And of course, you can go to lumelnatis.com and order your pizza for carryout or online delivery. Frank, what are your bets? I got the standard three bets. We'll start off with the NHL because um, there's no basketball today. So it's just NHL and baseball. So the first pick I really like is the Tampa Bay Lightning to win tonight. They are minus 126. And that right there, it's not too often that the road team in game one of the series is the favorite in a series. But just like we know, the bookies know that the Tampa Bay Lightning, I think, are going to have a pretty easy go around here. And I'd say if you took the Tampa Bay Lightning every game this series, you'd probably come out ahead if it turns out how I think the series is going to turn out, even if it ends in five. Minus 126 is great value. Don't think the Rangers will be able to contain the Tampa Bay Lightning. Therefore, I think it is a very good bet. The other two games I have in the MLB, I'm kind of, I'm just, I'm giving these picks as value picks and going off something that I call the reverse line movement. It's when money is coming in on these picks, but the line is moving away from it. And here, I'll, I'll explain it. The Baltimore Orioles tonight are home against the Seattle Mariners. And Brash is pitching for the Orioles, and he has just been terrible. And Robbie Ray's pitching for the Mariners, and, I mean, he's not really been any better. But Brash has been, like, really, really bad for the Orioles. If you look at his past few starts, he's given up, like, 6, 5, and 4. He's given up, like, 15 runs in his past three starts. However, all the money is pouring in on the Mariners, but the line is moving in favor of the Orioles, which that right there – that's like what the sharp betters do. That's like a huge, like, okay, why the Orioles should lose this game. They should get hammered, but why are they slowly like getting better odds and becoming a favorite? They're plus 129, the Orioles money line. I think you should take it, but they started out at like plus 150 and now it's slowly coming down, even though everybody's betting the Mariners. That's that's like fishy in sports betting. That's like what professional betters do is they look for these types of movements because it doesn't happen on any game. Like, you can't use this logic for every single game. It might only happen once a night. It might only happen twice a night or twice every couple days. But this is like a scenario where it looks like this, like the Orioles are going to win this game, where the general public is probably going to pick the Mariners just based off the matchup. And I'm using the same logic, too, because I think the Cubs are going to win today, too, against the Brewers for this same logic. The, the Cubs started off as plus, and now they're minus. Hendricks has stunk this year. But the pitcher going for the Brewers, he is uh, he's taking his first MLB start, and everybody's hopping all over the Brewers. But now the Cubs are all of a sudden minus. So the general public's going to say, oh, I can get a good price on the Brewers, right? It's a, It looks like the Cubs stink. The Brewers have the better team. They should win this easily. I'm getting a great price. Well, wrong. I think the Cubs are going to win this based on the factor of the reverse line movement. I would take the Cubs at minus 101, and I would also take the Orioles at plus 129. And we're going to see – we're going to ride this and see how it works tonight. Um, I try to look for reverse line movements all time, uh, but I don't really do it when it comes to the show because it takes a lot of research. Got to research and see where the money's pouring in. I just can't open my phone and just, you got to do a lot of digging. So those are my picks. We will see what happens. And if it turns out to be good, there's a lot of value and money to be won for everybody. So there you go. There you go. That's very interesting hearing about this money stuff with the, the sharks, you know, when you think of sharks, you think of that. When I think of sharks, I think of Logan Couture, Brent Burns, uh, Eric Carlson. Those are my sharks. 
and then um, you kind of get what I was explaining though with the oh Alex yeah hundred percent because yeah. when maybe I'll when, parlay the Cubs and the Orioles because when here, here's like so really quick before we we head out of here let's just say like the Cubs are minus one fifty and they're playing the Yankees of the the White Sox okay and we're not using reverse line movement here and money is pouring in on the Yank or we'll say the Yankees are the favorite at minus 150 against the Cubs. And you know, the general public, 80% of the bets are on the Yankees and all the cash is flowing in on the Yankees, right? Well, what's going to happen is the book is going to make the Yankees a worse price because they want to even out the money. They're going to make the Cubs a bigger dog because all the money's coming in on the Yankees. They want less people betting on the Yankees. So they're going to even it out. So a lot of the money is going to come in on the the Cubs to try and even it out. Now you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's not reverse line movement, but the fact that all the money is coming in on one team, but it's it's in favor of the other team, the team that should lose. That's where it gets a little fishy, and that's where the sharp money comes in because the sports bookies they have a lot of respect for sharp betters because sharp betters and professional gamblers, that's their job. So when they're risking all their money on stuff like that, they get a little worried, these bookies. So it's, it's something to look out for. If you could always watch the line movements, it's a huge, huge advantage you could have in sports betting. Absolutely. And that's breaking bets. Make sure you either ride with Frankie or fade him. Let us know um, on social media at Barroom Network, at the King Bean, at Vinny Parisi, what you think of his bets. And if you hit on them, make sure you let Frankie know that you're thankful. If you hit on fading him, make sure you let Frankie know that you're thankful. And then call him an a hole or something worse if he fucks you, because I'd be mad at him too. And Frankie going all out on the research for this show, knowing that his last two or three shows. Not too hot for him, so he had to he had to bounce back with some extra research this time around. Got a rebound in the best way possible. That's our show. Make you thank you so much for tuning in. I meant to say, make sure you go to Lou Malnati's. You can find it pretty much all over the Chicagoland area. Some of the best ones are you know all around town. You can order online for delivery or carry out. Visit LouMalnati's.com. Thank you so very much for listening. Frank, it was outstanding analysis about the second round, the conference finals, and some fun stuff in the third period. I highly encourage everybody watching, if you missed anything, to go on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you can find a podcast and listen to this stuff over again. Um, I'll be back tomorrow, 2 p.m., Crosstown Crosstalk with some of the guys, or at least one of the guys from the Dolly Parton podcast. Probably going to get kind of weird. I'm looking forward to it. Um, gonna talk some baseball, some dollar hot dogs. Frank, you have anything you got to say before we head on out of here? You can catch all that at 2 p.m. tomorrow on the Barroom Network. Uh, tune in, it should be a good show. And thanks everybody for watching today's show. Absolutely, we can't thank you enough. And make sure you just keep watching hockey tonight's game between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Rangers. Going to be exquisite television. Then, of course, tomorrow, game two between the Colorado Avalanche and Edmonton Oilers. You will be able to. See Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Nathan McKinnon, who are three of the five best players in the National Hockey League. It is outstanding theater that I highly recommend for everyone. Of course, one more time, LouMalnatis.com. Get your pizza today. And as always, thank you for listening. So let me explain something. Deep dish pizza is not only not better than New York pizza. It's not pizza.
John Stewart. I took the red eye out here from Chicago. I had to see what all the commotion was about. I'm an open-minded guy. I came here to New York to see what this is all about. Little limp. I don't know. Big apple, little pizza? <laughs> Thank you.